0: I want to tell you something about our little church. We have been saying since the very earliest days that we want to be a church where people matter. Because they matter to God, they ought to matter to us. Now, we haven't always gotten this right. I haven't always gotten this right. I haven't always treated people the way that I wanted to treat people or the way God wanted me to treat people corporately. Together as a church, we haven't always gotten this right, but I can tell you with all of the passion and all of the truth that I can muster that we want to be a church where people matter deeply because they matter to God. We want to be the kind of church where where people can get a sense of belonging even if they don't believe. We want to be the kind of church that weaves this web that, that people can belong even if they're not ready to believe. I, I just want to be kind of the kind of church that, that is connecting people with God, that somehow connects the dots with God for people. I, I want to be like, like a church that multiplies like, like rats, right? Where we just keep connecting people into the body of Christ, that we keep connecting people to God. I want to become the kind of place that weaves this web of belonging that maybe results in people believing. You, you see, the kind of church that that I grew up in, and maybe the kind of church that some of you all grew up in, was the kind of church that says you don't belong here because you're not quite like us. You don't belong here because you don't look like us or dress like us, and you got these things on your body that's not like us, and and you 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 think different than us, you believe different than us, you like different music than us. See, as a church. Maybe you've experienced this, maybe not, I don't know, but the kind of churches I I tended to grow up in were kind of churches that got really good at putting their hands up to people and said, no, 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 you're not ready to be here because you've got to fix some things up before you come in here. You've got to get some things right in your life before you can belong with us. And somehow we've got it all screwed around because that is not the Jesus model. I distinctly remember Jesus saying something like this. He, he said one time, I believe it was, come to me all, all of you who are weary and heaven, heavy burdened, I will give you peace. I will give you rest. I, I seem to remember him saying one time, come and taste come and see, come and, and, be with me, do life with me, walk with me and see if you even like this. See if this is for you. He, I, I tend to remember Jesus going to people who were very much unlike the religious people of his day and, and inviting them to belong in his little circle way before. Listen, friends, way before they even believed. Now, if you've been around here for a little while, this won't come as big news to you. This will be kind of a reminder to you, but maybe you're brand new and you're new to this whole Christian thing. You're you're new to this whole faith journey thing. My hope is, is that I wanna paint just a little bit of a picture to you of the kind of church We want to become, and so if you've been coming here for a long time, I want to remind you of why we do what we do, why we even exist in the first place, why we give our money, why we pray, why we serve, why we build these buildings, why we do anything that we do, why we have a children's program or a generation program, why we do what we do. I want to remind you what it means to look like a next step sort of a church, because that's what Metro is. That's the kind of church that I want to build is a next step sort of a church. And you know what I'm talking about with next steps. It's this idea that I want people, all people, we want people, all people, to take their next step toward God and with God. And guess what I mean by all people? Everybody, all people, I want them to have this, this uh, feeling that they can come and they can somehow with their doubts, with their, with their uh, regrets, with their personal past, everything that's about them, I, I want them to come into this place and feel like they have a place to belong even before they believe and that somehow we can encourage them and equip them to take their next step toward God and with God. And when I'm talking about all people, I mean religious people and non-religious people. I mean people who are really good at sinning and people who are like living like saints. I'm talking about people who seem to get it together all the time and those who can never seem to get it together. When I'm talking about all people, guess what I mean? I mean white people and black people and Latino people and short people and tall people, and skinny people, and fat people, and rich people, and poor people, married people, divorced people, single people, people who've never been married once in their life. I'm talking straight people and gay people, anybody and everybody who wants to know God at all, I want them to be able to come into this place and to understand that they can take their next step toward God and with God. I want to be that kind of church where people who have been journeying with God for 20, 30, 40 years of their life, who may have hit a stall in their life, who, who says, you know, I was once on fire, but not so much anymore. I want those people to be able to figure out how to take their next steps toward God. For those of us who maybe are going with, for God with everything that we have, I want you to figure out how to take your next step. And for those in this room, and it might be you, who you have your doubts where you're not even sure, where you have a whole bunch of regrets and a whole bunch of disappointments. Maybe you've spent your whole life running in the other direction. I want you to know something, friends. I think this is a great place for you to take your next steps toward God and with God. Listen, friends, I, I want everybody I want to create a culture here that has a door wide open to people. And I'm talking all sorts of people, the people who who kind of really care about everything in life. You know, like they're jogging 10 miles a day. They're eating granola and they walk around with a little purified water bottle all the time. I'm talking about those people and I'm talking about the other kind of people who, who don't take care of their bodies and who eat whatever they want and drink whatever they want and smoke whatever you want, if you know what I'm saying. Right? I'm talking about everybody. I'm talking about everybody and anybody who God seems to be Stirring. I want them to walk into this place and to know that they matter to God and that they matter to us and that this is a place where they can take their next steps. Y'all with me on this? And I get it. Some of y'all are going like, I've heard this before, Jay, and I think it's a real good idea. It's really good in theory, but really there is no but. There is no theory here. This is the kind of church I want to build. And listen to me, friends, I want you to help me build this. I want you to come alongside. I want us to partner together. I want us to realize that we are together on this. I want you to help us build this kind of community of faith. The kind of community where people can move forward. Listen to me, friends. This is critical. If we're going to get this right at all, If we're going to get one thing right, we've got to get this right. That we are a next step sort of a church. And we've been trying to get around some common language of what does this next step look like. Let me tell you what it looks like. We want to be a place where people can grow, group, and go with their faith. Where you can grow, group, and go. This is the language we've been trying to stir around here. That you can grow in your faith. where, Where literally that you can grow in your understanding of the Bible, God's word, of his relationship with you, where you can, we've been talking about this idea of dirt. Anybody remember this last few weeks? We've been talking about this idea of dirt, good dirt. Anybody in the room? Y'all remember this? Good dirt. Well, we've been talking about this idea that we wanna be a church where, where that little seed, and God has been throwing little seed down in you. He has been planting it down deep inside of you. That's why you're even sitting here. Because there's a little something that has been planted in you. And we wanna be a place that grows that up, that figures out how to give life to what the world wants to, to press down and kill. We want to be a church that grows, groups, and goes. And we want to be a, a place where you can take your next step to group together. We think it's important that you become part of something, that you put roots down in something. We believe that the local church really does matter. And we, need, we, we, we believe that you need to find your place inside of the local church, that you need to figure out a way to group together. Listen, friends, we need Community. We need each other. Our faith is personal, but our faith is not private. We need each other to grow, to group together. And listen, we've got to be a church where we can encourage people to go somewhere with their faith. Listen, God did not sit us down and say, hey, you just enjoy this seat for a little while. God did not set us in this light to watch idly by as the world slides into hell. He he set us here to make a difference, to make this world better. He's gifted us he's empowered us. He's called us. He's equipped us. He's wanting to move us forward. He wants us to go do something with our faith. Well, I'm old. I don't care if you're old. Are you breathing? If you're breathing, he's calling you. Well, I don't have a lot of skill. Well, that's ridiculous. Are you saying God makes unskilled things? No. God has called you. He's gifted you. He's equipped you. He wants you to go do something, group, or grow, group, and go. That's the language, and so that's our vision. And we've been talking about this idea where people can come in here and take their next steps to grow, to group, and to go. And let me tell you something, friends. I think it's happening. I talk to people all the time. I I see you. You come in and, and there are people who walk in and they say, Jay, you have no idea. When I came in here, it was like a huge step forward. I had spent most of my life distant from God. I had spent most of my life broken in my relationships with God and with other people. And when I came into this place, something happened, something clicked, something, something different happened because I was swimming in the deep end. I was feeling like I was alone. And, and when I walked in here, I felt, I felt like it was home. I felt like, like I mattered here. I felt like, like I connected here. It's like God came alive here. And it was like a, for some in this room, it was like a giant step forward. I've had people tell me, Jay, you have no idea. When I walk into this room, I mean, the first day, it was like the first day I came in, I was like checking it out. And all of a sudden the band just like hit that first chord and I was a mess from there out. It's true. It's true. As soon as they started singing, as soon as you started preaching, there was something that was stirring so deep in me. I've had people say I couldn't come for three weeks later because like, I wept so bad through the whole service. I thought everybody was going to laugh at me. I couldn't come back until I figured out I could bring my own tissues. I've had people say that. It's unbelievable. These, these huge, I've had people say, wow, you have no idea what God is doing in my little family. Wow, you have no idea the huge steps that God has taken, uh, that we've taken with God in our marriage, or with our kids, or in my singleness, or with my past, or with my regrets. You have no idea the huge step forward in my attitude about life, my thinking about life, the direction of my life. You have no idea, no idea, no idea. But then there's some people who it's not so much a huge step forward, it's one of those, one of these. Right, it's a baby step. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I see who you are. Like you come in here and you're all like, impress me. I, I get it. I see it. Listen, you're the ones that are sliding in late and slipping out early. You come in with your arms crossed and, and you're like, you, your, your wife says, well, how, well, well, how did you like it? I mean, I mean, it was really cool that you came, but how did you like it? Or your mama asks, well, what'd you think? I heard you went to that church. And I, I, I hear it like, oh, the band, the band was good, but that preacher, he's got to go. <laughs> I know what it's like. I, 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 some of y'all, I can't, even, I can't even look in your direction because you're like staring me down. I think you're going to come up here and punch me or something. But let me tell you something. I see you come back week after week. And I see people edging in who started way back there and now they're down here. Down here, down here, down here. It's a little baby steps. And that fires me up. Because I don't care how far your heart is from God when you walk in here. I just want you to move forward. I just want you to take a step, a next step, toward God and with God. And friends, let me tell you something. I want you, I'm asking you to help me build this kind of church. I'm asking you. Friends, we've got to build this kind of community of faith um, where, where people can come and that they can know that they matter, and that they can take their next step with God. And, and, so, and so here's what I'd like to do, if it's okay with you. I, I want to take you into a passage, and this is going to get kind of weird, and you're going to think, what in the world is this guy doing? What's wrong with him? This is strange. This is weird. But I want to take you deep into the pa- a passage that literally rocks my world. It changed my world. It captivated my heart some 20 years ago, and, and it has not let go of me ever. Um, and so if you have a Bible, um, I would love for you to find the book of Acts chapter 2. If you got a smartphone, just Google Acts chapter 2. You'll find it, okay? Acts chapter 2. Now, I want to raise our education level just a, bit, a little bit because why do they call it the book of Acts? A-C-T-S, Acts. Why? Because it's the actions of the very first followers of Jesus. Right? So maybe some of y'all didn't think that it was profound as I thought it was, but we're all on the same page, right? Y'all got this? It's the Acts of the earliest followers of Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 42, and it literally tells the story of the first church, of the first group of Jesus followers. And, and let me tell you something. When we read through this, uh, this passage changed my life. And you go, "Well, oh, that's a little melodramatic. No, 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 it changed who I was, it changed the direction of what I was becoming in life. It literally caused me to change vocations. It caused me to change uh, literally geographical uh, direction of my life. It changed everything about me. This little passage, Acts chapter two, starting in verse 42, let me read it to you. It says, all of the, what is the word? Believers. So pause for a second. There are some in this room who are not believers. We are so glad you're here, but you're getting an inside look at who we really should be. But for those of us in this room who identify as believers, this is for us. This is how the earliest followers of Jesus lived. This is how they did life together. Check this out. It says, it says, all of the believers devoted themselves. Now, pause again for a minute. This word devoted. Let me ask you something. Anybody in the room ever get distracted? Anybody? Right? We've been talking about getting distracted. The earliest believers got distracted But they did something that some of us don't do. They what? They devoted themselves. When they were like, oh, what's going on over here? They devoted themselves and they came right back to it. They devoted themselves. They dialed in. They fought through the distraction. They figured out how to devote themselves to the cause of Christ in their life. And listen to what they devoted themselves to. Here's what it says. These early believers, they devoted themselves to to what? To the apostles' teaching. To the teaching of God's word. They, They gathered around God's word. It was preeminent in their lives. It was the teaching of God's word. And to what else? To fellowship. To community. And to the sharing of meals including the Lord's Supper. And to prayer. So these were some of the things that the earliest followers of Jesus gathered around and they just said, hey, look, despite of all the all the stuff that's going on, despite having to run our kids to soccer and to school and to, to go into work and all of this stuff that's going on, they said, despite all of, that, all of that, we are going to devote ourselves to these things. And then listen to the result of that. It says this, verse 43, It's is amazing. It says, there was a deep sense of awe that came over them all. There was like Somebody walked in the room and they were going like, wow, there's a God thing happening in this little place. They had this deep sense of awe that came over them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all of the believers met together in one place and they shared everything that they had. They sold their property and their possessions and they shared their money with those in need. Pause. That's crazy. But that's what we do every week. You think about this. How crazy is this for Christians, for those of us who believe? We pass a bucket around and we say to you, trust us. Do you trust anybody else in culture with your money? But you literally freely write a check and you say, we believe in being together. We believe in resourcing our stuff together. We believe in making a difference together. We believe in what we're doing with Generations. We believe in what we're doing with Reach Global. We believe in the gathering that happens in this little place. Come on. That's what Christians do. Dennis says this. They also, not only did they they pool their resources, but they worshiped together at the temple each day. And then they met in the homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared meals uh, with great joy and with great generosity. All the while they were praising who? God, there was something going on. There was something big going on. And then it says, and they were enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship to their number, those who were being Saved, And it's all this talk about what life was like with the earliest church, those who first came to Christ that was birthed 2,000 years ago. And friends, I think it's more than that. It's a picture of what could happen in a very special church if we allowed God to work in our lives, if we devoted ourselves to these types of things. Could you imagine, friends, what God would do in the downriver community, in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our homes, in our families, in our marriages, in our single life, in our, in our children, what God would do, could you imagine what God would do if we devoted ourselves to God's word? Come on, to prayer, to fellowship, to connecting to this, to resourcing together. To, to, could you imagine how the Holy Spirit of God would make us stand back and go, whoa, 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 there is something going on with that group of people. There's something going on, they're weird, but I like it, right? That's exactly what would happen. Now, in order to understand um, why this passage so gripped me all those years ago, you have to understand that I was in a very different place than I am now when it comes to my relationship with the local church. Um, when when this passage first started stirring in my heart and gripping my heart, uh, I barely survived the church of my youth. And let me tell you something. It wasn't a bad church. It wasn't like full of bad people or bad doctrine or any of that kind of stuff. I simply didn't connect with what was going on in my little old-fashioned church. I just didn't. Again, it wasn't that they were just bad. It's just that I wasn't connecting my heart my soul wasn't being challenged and moved forward and some of y'all think like you think like this you think well I don't apparently I don't connect with church because like I am like really a bad person right let me tell you about being a bad person because apparently I was a really bad person true story this is true story I, I true story I was kicked out of my church my denomination a church camping system and a Christian college all by the time I was 22. Now, I don't say that in any sense of pride at all. As a matter of fact, I say it with great embarrassment for the immaturity that was my life back then. Great embarrassment. But I'm gonna tell you honestly, friends, I was at this point in my life where it just didn't connect anymore. See, I love God. I really believe I love God. But I just didn't find any life inside of this thing called the local church. For me, services uh, were, were really non-events and going to church felt like, like duty and ceremony and chore to me. There was very little life there. Messages seemed distant from me and irrelevant to my life and relationships within the church, they, they weren't deep and vulnerable. The sacraments, things like, like Holy Communion and baptism became just a show and it just became pretense and it just seemed so, so simple and meaningless to me. And there was very little, it didn't seem like uh, that God was moving in big ways because there was very little in my heart that was saying, oh, would you look at that, look at that church, look at what's going on here because God is moving here in extraordinary ways. Listen, friends, that just wasn't happening in my life. It, it seemed like the church was becoming more and more lifeless and thus I was becoming more and more lifeless. And I'm just saying for me, maybe this wasn't your experience, but for me, um, even as a teenager, there was this growing sense that there was always this undercurrent of division within the local church. There was always this backbiting and gossip inside of our little local church. And instead of a thriving community of believers, um, it seemed lifeless most of the time. I I, I cannot even remember an adult coming to faith in Christ. As an adult, I could not remember an adult conversion that resulted in a baptism and a changed life. I cannot remember that. I remember kids getting baptized, but I don't even remember adults moving toward the heart of God. And friends, let me tell you something. I drive by that same church of my youth today and on a Sunday morning, there's eight, maybe nine, ten cars in the parking lot. And instead of the church, listen, friends, instead of the church multiplying, instead of the church thriving, Maybe this has been your experience too, but the church is dying. And there's something broken inside of the church. And as I moved into adulthood uh, in my early 20s, uh, something began to shift inside of me. I, I entered the world of business, uh, and, and, the le- and the local church became less and less and less captivating for me. Um, you see, because business and the world of business grew and grew for me, and, and frankly, I, I just got to be honest, and it's not bragging, I found it easy to make money. Uh, It was easy, even in my earliest 20s, it was easy for me to make a lot of money. And so there was a part of my heart that was starting to wander. There was a part of my heart that was running after the things of this world, the stuff of this world, the more and more that we talk about all the time. That was me. I wanted more and more of it. And so I gave my heart more and more to that. And less and less of my heart was being captured by God in the local church. And so at this point in my life, I had this uh, spiritual mentor and, um, and, and this guy was pouring into my life and trying to keep me on course, which is sometimes hard to do when you got crazy people. And, uh, and, and he was pouring into my life. And I remember going to him and, and at the time and uttering my frustration about this thing called the local church. And I would say to him, I would say, I love God. I would say to him, I love God, I really do. I love God, but I'm just i so out of touch with the local church. It just feels so irrelevant to me and and unrelational to me, and I can't figure out why we even do this thing called church anymore. And then I remember starting to describe to him this idea of, why can't the church be alive? Why, Why can't the church really, really matter during the week the same as it matters on Sunday morning when we're sitting there? Why can't the church breathe life into people? Why is it that we have to beg people to come in the doors rather than kind of hold the doors back until they get there? I mean, there's just like, the church is dying. And so I remember saying to this guy, I remember saying, why can't the church be like summer camp? Anybody ever go to summer camp in the room? Then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because summer church camp is where God lives, Summer church camp is where your soul gets fired up. Anybody ever been at summer church camp? You know what I'm talking about. But isn't it true that like three weeks after summer church camp, it's like God has died a little bit each day. God has died a little bit. There's a part of your soul that's going out each day. And I remember describing this him. why can't the church be like that every single time we gather and I remember going, why can't the church? That's crazy. Because I was doing youth ministry at the time. I said, why can't the church be like my youth group? Because my youth group is full of life. My youth group is on fire. My youth group is electric. But when I go into the, to the church, it dies. I don't get it. Why can't? And this fella, he looked at me and I said, why can't the church be like this? And he says, there are churches like that. And I said, not that I've ever seen. That's a true story. I said, not that I've ever seen. I want, and I remember saying to him, I want a church and maybe you've heard this slogan because this started all these years ago. I said, I want a church that's modern and relevant and different. That's the kind of church I want. And uh, he says, those churches are out there. And I said, I haven't seen any of those churches. And he handed me a book. And this book literally changed my entire life. It was a book called Rediscovering Church by Bill Hybels. And uh, in this book, Bill unpacked the chapter two of Acts. Chapter two of Acts, and, and he began to describe not churches. He kind of re- refrained from the word church a little bit and started throwing the different expression around. He, he he kept calling churches like ours. He called them if we could create biblically functioning communities, then it would be alive. Then it would be then it would be on fire. Uh, if, if we could somehow get away from church as usual and if we could somehow get around this idea that we are to create biblically functioning communities that the church could burn bright and that people would come and they'd be drawn like flies to a, to a fire. And I said, I want some of that. I remember reading this book and he began to paint this picture as he unpacked this idea of biblically functioning community. And he wrote with such passion and such enthusiasm. I remember, I don't, I don't, I'm a slow reader, man. I didn't hardly make it through college. And, and I'm, like, I'm like one page at a time. But this was not like that at all for me. I just would whip through this. And I remember weeping and I remember laughing and I remember going to my wife when I got done. I said, you gotta read this book. And she says, What's this book? I said, Rediscovering Church by Bill Hybels, and it's going to change our lives. This book is going to change our lives because he began to paint this picture of the church that was alive. He, he began to paint this picture of a church that what they did on the weekends mattered on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday throughout the week. He said, What the church does with this thing called grace. He began to picture grace and paint a picture of grace that was so thick, it was like I could feel it, but not a cheap kind of grace not a cheap kind of grace that you walk all over and you think, oh, God forgives me. I'm just going to do whatever I doggone will please. No, no, no. A kind of grace he painted was was so thick that you go like, I want more of that and because of that, I want to live to please the God who gives that grace. And he began to paint this picture and I gave this book to Lynette and I remember going, you got to read this, honey, because, listen, because either we find a church like this or we start a church like this or we're doggone going to move to Chicago and be part of this church. Because I am not living like this anymore. And I remember there was this moment where the, 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 the grip of the local church, the, 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 it didn't cap, captivate me anymore. But there was a different stirring in my heart somewhere in my late 20s where honestly I had a whole bunch of success with business and I had all the money that I could ever need. Now listen, this is true. And I just said, it doesn't matter to me anymore. This isn't enough for me anymore. There was a shallowness of soul and God was sharing something different inside of me. And then Bill began to write in this book about how when the church is, is working right, when it's an Acts 2 kind of biblically functioning community of faith, he said it will draw people, it will unite people, not divide people. He says where love reigns and where, where uh, needs will be met by everybody, where where the unwelcome will feel welcome. He said in a biblically functioning church, he said racial lines will be blurred and the difference between the rich and the poor will go away and that they'll begin to care about one another and that there won't be this and this and and this guy, and that guy, and that so It'll be one body functioning together. And he said, and if we get that right as church people, he says it will draw people in. People will be drawn like a magnet to this church. Here's what he said. He says, when people experience life in one of these biblically functioning communities, they will orient their lives around participating in them. In other words, he was saying, if somehow we could create a church that looked like Acts chapter two. You won't have a problem getting people in the door because lost people will be drawn to that. Hurting people will be drawn to that. Lonely people will be drawn to that. People looking for purpose in their life will be drawn to that. People who wanna give something to life will be drawn to that. He says, You'll, you won't have a problem getting people to volunteer. You won't have a problem getting people to step up and be part of the game. You won't have to beg anybody to do anything if you draw, build a church like that. And friends, I'm asking you to help me build a church like that. Anybody with me? I'm asking you to help me build this kind of church. Now, do you, do you know what uh, karaoke is? Anybody? Karaoke? Come on. I know some of y'all into Karaoke? Now, let me tell you something. I'm going to be honest with you. Karaoke machines, they are not from God. They they are not from God. Because karaoke machines is where an amateur pretends that they are an expert. And I've watched people karaoke. I've watched some of you karaoke, and it's not pretty. I'm just saying, it's just not pretty, right? Um, You know, listen, I've been at these places, and I've watched these people, and they go up, and they put the money in, and then, like, they pick a song, and then they go up, and they grab the microphone, and the lights start, and the music starts, and and the words come up on the screen, and and all that's designed to help you sing, but you're not a singer. It's just all there is to it. I'm just saying, listen, I was at this one place where this lady comes up, and she was wearing a dress that fit in some other life, and it was like her... It was like her moment, right? It was like this is the big time for her. It's like you know, twelve people at this it was just twelve people and like and it's just like and she comes up there all swanky like and she grabs that microphone, she's got her long blonde hair, and she's throwing it around and, and she's just doing her deal and, and and she you know, pulled that mic up and she belted it out and, and she put in like a country song and so she was singing. She was singing. But the problem is she was saying in like a quarter off pitch, the whole doggone way. And and, and it's funny is when she gets done, she's like, Winona Judd, get your way out of here. I'm arrived. You know, she's like, I'm it. And and I don't know about you, but like in moments like that, there's just something wired in me that says, somebody's got to tell this lady. There's just somebody has got to help. Somebody's got to tell this lady. And, and, and let me tell you this: the reason I say that is this: is there are some pastors, some pastors who get up and they are gesturing and they're yelling and they're sweating and they're pounding and they're swinging the Bible around. And when they're done, they're like, drop the mic, and they're like, Billy Graham, get out of here, get out of here. And some of y'all have seen this, and you go, somebody needs to tell him. It ain't connecting. I mean, he's giving it everything he's got, but it ain't connecting, right? Let me tell you something, friends. Lives are changed when church is the real deal. There is a difference between karaoke singing, come on, and Taylor Swift. There just is. There's just a difference. And the world can see right through karaoke singing. And they'll clap real nice. But it's not changing any lives. It's not the real deal. Let me tell you something um, God comes alive. When we get somehow past karaoke. God comes alive when it begins to make sense because sometimes we listen to church and we go to church and we go through all the motions. And we go, this doesn't make sense. We go, it's not anointed, it's not moving me anywhere, it's not taking me anywhere. This is just like spinning my wheels, and I don't want to spin my wheels anymore. But friends, let me tell you something. When the church becomes real, when God's spirit falls on the church, and when the church devotes themselves to the teaching of God's word and to prayer and to fellowship and to all the things of Acts 2 something miraculous happens life starts to change the spirit of god comes alive in ways that we've never seen when church is, is real friends hearts will explode with the new understanding of spiritual discoveries decisions will be made to head in a different direction listen broken relationships will be healed i'm sorry will be said People will begin to gladly give of themselves to a community when it becomes real. So it says that the body of Christ, it says that the earliest believers, they devoted themselves, listen to to the, to the teaching of God's word and to fellowship. They devoted themselves to, to community life, right? You see the church I grew up on, they are, their version of community life was altogether different. And, uh, I don't think it was what, what Acts 2 was describing because I don't mean to beat up on the, on the church, but this is just what I saw. So saw, what happens, you do the service thing and then after the church, the men would go outside and they'd smoke cigarettes at one of my churches because the other church didn't allow the men to do that. They did that like behind the church. But this one was like right outside the door and they went off to this little patio and they would all sit around and this was what fellowship looked like. How's business, Jake? It's not bad. Can't complain. That's real good. Hey Hans, is that a new truck? I wish it was new; it's used, but it's still sweet. Nice fellowshipping with you, brother. See you next week. What? What? Isn't there some point we got to get beyond the surface? Isn't there some point where it's got to go just a little bit deeper? It's like when it's like the ladies are downstairs and they're like, "Hey, what are you baking this week?" Your daughter sure looks cute in that dress. It's a nice fellowshipping with you. Let me tell you something, that's not fellowship. I, I think all those things are fine. I think all those things are nice. And I think we got to do some of that kind of stuff. But listen, there's got to come to the point where it digs a little bit deeper than that, where we become real and vulnerable, where we say, hey, listen, this is what's really bothering my soul right now. This is what's really going on in my life. Did you know that my husband has cancer? Do you know that me, uh, that we're really struggling right now with our son? in a very big way. You know that uh, my husband lost a job or I'm really struggling with this or I'm really hurting. We need to get to the point where we say, you know what? God is is calling me to, to do something, but I'm afraid to take that next step. Friends, that's the kind of fellowship that I want to create in this church. I want I want to create a church. I'm hoping that you're going to bat with me here. I'm hoping that you're going to come along with me here. I'm hoping you're going to work with me to build this kind of place. But I want to create a place where it is transformational teaching and fellowship that gets beyond the veneer, that gets goes deeper, and that really starts to transform the human heart and the human condition. Because Acts two talks about doing life with God together. Acts two talks about coming together, giving together, caring together, serving together, risking together, reaching together, reaching together praying together. That's the kind of church, friends, that I want to build. And I want you to help me to build it. You know, Acts 2 speaks about this idea. And you can see this picture. We read it, right? We read it. You can see this picture of the church coming together uh, and, and contributing. Contributing. And it doesn't mean just money. I think that's the obvious, that's the basic level where all of us should go, yeah, it costs money, we give, no problem. That's the obvious starting point for us. But it's way deeper than that, isn't it? You see a community of faith that comes together and they want to give of themselves. That they want to meet one another's needs. That they want to figure out how to build a church that honors God and inspires people because of what they could bring to the community. And I got to tell you something, friends. One of the reasons I love being part of this little church here... um, it's because you allow me to use my gifts of teaching and leadership. I get this sense that when I teach that you, you're hearing me and that it's moving your soul just a little bit. And you allow me to do this. And I'm so grateful that you allow me to use the gifts because I could not imagine having to sit in the sidelines not doing what God has called me to do. And let me tell you something, friends. Um, the believers that I know, I would say every believer, and I don't know if you're a believer in this room, but every believer that I know wants to contribute to the kingdom of God. Every believer I know is not satisfied sitting on the sidelines, sitting on a chair. I cannot imagine what's going to happen in some of our lives because you're going to stand before God one day, and you know you're going to stand before God. We understand that, right? One day you will stop breathing. Everybody on the same page with that? You're going to stop breathing, and you're going the greatest thing that you're going to tell God is God... I just wanna thank you uh, for letting me watch what went on in your church. The greatest thing that you're gonna have to say to God is God, thank you for giving me a front row seat when everybody else did the work of the kingdom. And I'm thinking that every believer in this place wants to hear their father say, well done, well done. And some of us have sat on the sidelines for 20 years. Some of you have been in this church for eight years, seven years, six years, and you clap and you sing and you think it's enough to drop 10 bucks in a plate. It is not. It is not enough. I'm asking you, I am begging you to help build the kind of church where people who are far from the heart of God can can take their next steps toward him that's what I'm hoping friends that somehow in some way that God will stir this in your heart later it says in 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 the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 46 it says it says that they gathered together in the temple all together big place that's what we're doing right now you realize this, right? We, we gather together because we want to we gather around the teaching. We want to worship God together. We want to pour our hearts. Listen, one of the reasons we gather is for those things. But listen, there's other reasons we gather. We gather so that we can encourage one another, so we can smile across the room, so we can high-five and say, way to go. Hey, how's that thing that you were dealing with? I heard you talking last week, and that was a struggle for you. How how you doing? We gather together like this in this place so we can open the door up to somebody who's afraid to step into church who might be worried about what people are thinking about them, who, who might be having a terrible time in their life, and you can just hold that door and say, I'm so glad that you're here. And people say, oh, oh, I don't need church to be a Christian. That's ridiculous. We need each other. The whole point of the picture of the church was they were together that they were together, that they were together, that they were together, a biblically functioning community. And so when I read this book, um, and it started to unpack Acts chapter two, I I said to Lynn, I said, we're we're either gonna move or find, or we're gonna start one of them, little churches. And uh, friends, I can tell you, 15 years ago, with 20 people in my living room, We started a church, and let me tell you something, we never intended to be the biggest church in America. That was not the reason we started this church. We never intended to be bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. That's not why we started this church. We've had only one goal, and it's never changed. It is to form a biblically functioning community where people matter to God, where people can come here and take their next steps with Him and toward Him. And friends, I want you to help me to build that kind of church. And I remember when when God got a hold of this in my heart, I said, I can give my life to that. I can give my life to that kind of thing. I want to challenge you to think about your role in the kingdom of God. He's called you, he's equipped you, and he wants you to move toward him. And so we're at this uh, point in our church life where we are about to multiply. Come on. We're not gonna divide, we're about ready to multiply. And let me tell you something, I'm very excited to announce to you today that our building is done enough. It's not done, so don't think you're out of hot water yet. It's not done, but it is done enough that we can start church there, okay? Okay? Yeah, praise God. And I'm going to tell you something. That building's sweet. That building's sweet. And I know God's going to do great things in that building. I know it. I'm telling you, I know it. I know it. I know it. And like Pastor Greg often describes, he's like, he talks about we're like this rubber band that's being pulled back and, and we're about ready to be released. And there's tension there. There's tension there. But boy, when that tension is released, it's going to explode. I really feel that it's going to explode. I really do. But I started gathering with our team leaders around here our volunteers and our and our staff and started asking them questions could we launch like the building's ready we we can launch now what's stopping us from launching can we launch and let me tell you something it's a little bit heartbreaking because the answer was no we can't launch and it's not because we don't have a sweet building because we got a sweet building the answer is that we just don't have enough people who are saying i'm all in who are ready to commit to build this kind of church not a building but a church, a community, a biblically functioning community. And friends, I want to flat out challenge you today, right here, right now, to commit, to build this with us, to do something with your faith. I don't care what, just do something. We cannot sit idly by as the world slides into hell. We just can't. I refuse to. And I'm hoping a whole bunch of you will refuse as well. And, and so what I want to do is I, I gather my team together. I said, so what do you need? What do you need? What, what, what's stopping us? What do you need? And, and here's just a few of the areas of, that we absolutely have to get right. And some of you need to step up today. I'm praying that you will step up today. Let me, let me show, I asked the Metro Kids team. Look at this. I asked the Metro Kids team. I said, how many do you need in total to run a weekend experience at two campuses? They said 150 volunteers. Now, most volunteers volunteer every other week, so that means we need 300 people on our Metro Kids team. Whew! It's a lot of folk. They said, we need 100 at Taylor, and because is only one day, we need 50 at Riverview. Check out this next screen. So I said, what does it look like? What do you mean by needing people at Riverview? How many people we need? They said, well, we need 33 individuals at Riverview Campus alone. We need eight that'll work with the babies. Oh. Come on. That should be an easy one, right? Babies, right? And then we need 13 small and large group people uh, who will literally teach our children. What an incredible honor. What an incredible privilege to stand before my kids and your kids and to teach them God's word. And we'll help you do this. We'll equip you. They said we need uh, seven people with no prep at all just to be the assistants in the room to keep the kids from running down the hallway, right? We just need seven of those people over there. We need a bunch of support people. They don't work with kids at all. These are moms who clean up you know, stuff, and uh, welcome center people in the store, all, all that kind of stuff we got over there. Five of those people. Then I said, what about the Taylor campus? What, what's going to happen over there when we take a bunch of people from here over there? I said, it's worse. At Taylor, we need 39 people. At Taylor, to keep this thing alive. If we're going to divide, this is what it's going to take. We need 39 more people, eight baby people, 20 large and small group presenters uh, who, who have a little bit of prep work, but then we need five no prep work people. We need six support people. I'm thinking we can do that. I'm thinking there's a whole bunch of us in this room who can do one of those things. Don't you think? Okay, look at this next thing. Look at this next thing. This next team. Put it up there. Uh, Baxter's. I went to the Baxter's people. I said, you know what? We love Baxter's. Amen. Woo, glory to God. I said, I I love Baxter's and I want it to be rocking. We got to figure out how to get this thing to be the the center of our community over there. We want people to love it and to go and to have fun over there and and to feel like they're connected and have fellowship. Right? So how many people you need? They said 20 total at the two campuses. Washing dishes, cleaning floors, being humble servants, not getting any glory for anything. I'm thinking, well, I'm guessing there's some people who can wash tables, I think. Look at this next thing. I went over to the production team. That's people who run the lights and the sound and make it all real cool and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'm like, uh, how many folk you need to make this happen in two campuses? And they're like, well, we, we need 12 more. I'm like, 12 more? Yeah, 12 more. We'll train you. We'll teach you. We just need 12 willing hearts who aren't afraid to get it rocking around here. Right? Look at this next team. Uh, I I said to the first five people, that's people who gather at our doors and welcome new people into the church. This is the very first view of our church. Very first view. And they said, well, we need uh, 30 individuals 18 at Taylor and and 12 at at a Riverview campus. Every time I come in the front doors on Saturday night, there's this beautiful lady who's uh, in a walker. Maybe you've seen her. She's been giving me a hard time every time I walk in here for two years. And I love her. She's amazing. She's amazing. She can hardly walk. And I'm thinking... I'm thinking we have 30 people who can walk just fine and smile just fine. Anybody smile in the room? Smile. I'm thinking we could smile. Look at this next one. Connection center. Um, total needs, 11 people. These are the people who keep our, our campus all together. These are people who, people who sign people up and get people into life groups and move people through our systems at our church. These are the people who connect the life of our church together. Look at this next thing right here. Security, this will blow you away. I don't know if you've been living in the real world the last year or two, but um, security needs have changed throughout our whole world. Do you realize this? And do you realize right now in our little church, we have people watching over our kids whose only job is is to keep them safe. We got people who are armed people in our facilities, keeping our people safe. We got people who sit in this room when I'm up here preaching or whoever's up here doing their deal, protecting our church. That's very important, don't you agree? Yep. Yep. We got 30 cameras around this building. They're watching us all the time. Glory to God. We need it. We need it. But they told me we just don't have enough. There's just no way that we can man it unless we get more men and women to step up and to serve in a very, very big way. And listen, we haven't even touched on the clean team. We all want a clean building when we walk in. Well, who's going to clean it? The people who use it. It's us. It's me. It's you. It's my family and your family. The point is this. I said, no believer, no believer, listen to me, no believer should ever sit on the sidelines. None. I'm asking you, let's build this church together. Let's do it, amen? Are you with me? And so maybe your next step... Maybe your next step is to walk out, go to the Connection Center and say, all right, Jay's finally worn me out. I'll do it. Serve, clean team, some team, just get on a team. We didn't even mention all the other teams. These are just the teams we have to do to get the place open. Just go and just say, I'm in. We'll train you, we'll equip you, we'll get you in the uh, team, but I'm asking you to be faithful to it. Step up. Here's the second thing I'm asking you. Maybe that's your first next step. Here's your second next step. Uh, and this is huge, you guys. This is just massive. Uh, I am asking uh, that all the believers, now listen, I, I realize not everybody's a believer. If you're not a believer, man, you just kind of saw all of our dirty laundry tonight. You kind of saw the back, back part of the whole deal. Um, but I'm glad you're here because this is what believers should do. This is what believers should do. And uh, one of the things that believers do is we pray. We ask God to do what man cannot do. We believe that when man works, man works, but when man prays, God uh, works, amen? And so um, I'm asking that you would join me for a whole week of prayer. And so we've made up some very simple cards. I'm asking you that you would take one home or take two or take three, hang them wherever you need to hang them. And they're very simple. Day one, day two, day three. Tomorrow is day one, or excuse me, Monday is day one. Monday is day one. I'm asking you, hang this up, and that each day that you'll take just five minutes, and lift up our little community, and ask God to bring to us the men and women who will help us to build this kind of church. Y'all with me on this? Will you do this? All right, let's stand to our feet. And uh, I hope you guys come back. Jay, why'd you preach like that before Easter? I don't know, I don't know. It felt like that's what the Lord wants for us. Um, father, we come before you. Thank you for being a good father. And uh, I pray that you would do a work that man cannot do here. God, we uh, we don't want to be karaoke church. Um, father, we want to be the real deal. Um, I want to be the real deal. Um, so God, we give this whole thing to you. We ask that we would be able to launch this very soon as you supply the men and women to step up and make this a reality. I believe this is from you, God. It is yours. Call us and move us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.